This teaching is from City Church Coventry. You can find us online at www.citychurchcoventry.org. Well, hey everyone. Um, it's good to be with you again. Uh, I promise that we won't have too many uh, Sundays where you get a double dose of me. Um, just to remind you, it's always part of my job every year to remind you today is Mother's Day. Unfortunately, this year I can't recommend you dash out after church and go and buy some flowers from a petrol station and take them to your mother. But FaceTime her uh, or, uh, or, or whatever your preferred video chat uh, method is and say hello to your mum and tell her how much you appreciate her. Um, so, um, yeah, things are looking a little different around here, aren't they? And just to let you know what we're planning to do over the the coming weeks uh, is um, to uh, um, broadcast two live streams, one for worship and one for the word. And the main reason to split them into two is because actually we're intending them to come from different places. So you'll see a variety of of faces, a variety of people leading worship, a variety of people sharing the word. And uh, we give thanks to God for the technology that's at everyone's fingertips these days that makes that possible and um, and we know that um, although this is a time of, of physical distancing and physical isolation, actually in terms of social isolation, it's, that's really the wrong phrase because we're going to deepen our connections, deepen our fellowship, deepen our relationship with the Lord and deepen our relationships with one another, I believe. So uh, it's a real privilege to have you with us. If you're not a regular um, attender at City Church, my name's Matthew Ling. I'm one of the elders and um, we are going to be finding all kinds of ways to uh, to continue the mission that God has given us as his people to reach this world with the gospel of the kingdom through these difficult and trying times. So um, uh, we're praying uh, regularly, um, praying. Uh, in fact, some of us are praying every morning, every evening and um, believing that God's going to lead us. And uh, we, he spoke to us last Sunday about doors of opportunity. And then uh, within two days, we were all instructed to shut our doors. But praise God, those doors are not just physical doors. When God opens a door, no one can shut it. And we believe he's opening new doors of opportunity uh, for his people and for the spreading of the good news about Jesus in this time. So this morning's message uh, I'm going to bring you is called Three Men in a Cave. Three Men in a Cave. Some of you may have read the the, the book Three Men in a Boat. I know lots of people are, are kind of going back to the classics now that uh, they've got some more time on their hands to read. So uh, if you end up reading Three Men in a Boat, really, this message has got nothing to do with that, that story, although it is, I found it quite entertaining, that one. But, um, uh, but uh, the only similarity is the, the kind of the title, Three Men in a Cave. And um, I thought that was kind of appropriate. We, we kind of, we've all retreated, haven't we? We've been uh, put put in our homes. We're not going out very much. We're we're limiting the amount of um, physical interaction we have with someone, and it feels a little bit like we're in our caves. In fact, this is my cave. This is my man cave that I'm speaking to you from. This is my office uh, where I have um, uh, thousands of books, most of which are actually my father's. Um, but uh, yeah, and so I, I can get lost for hours in here. So welcome to my cave, and uh, it's a privilege to be able to speak to you in your cave. Um, throughout the scripture, the Bible tends to use, um, in, in the stories we read there, caves tend to serve two purposes. Um, they're either a place of burial, um, and uh, that was kind of a common thing in, in biblical times, that, that, that uh, caves were used as tombs. 
And the other one was uh, that they were hiding places in times of trouble. Now, both of those are pretty negative, aren't they? Um, but, but Jesus, he went into the tomb, into a cave, in order to remove the sting of death. And so, although all of us, if Jesus doesn't return before, we'll die sometime or we'll be buried, we know that death no longer has a sting. Death no longer is the final word for those of us that have put our faith in Jesus Christ. We know that there is resurrection in his name. And also, if we think of a cave as a hiding place, um, the scripture tells us in Psalm 32, verse 7, that God himself is our hiding place. It says, you are, you are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. And so if you're feeling like you're in a cave, um, I want to encourage you this morning. Don't feel that it's like a tomb and don't feel like it's somewhere that you've had to go and hide in times of trouble because Jesus has emptied the tomb. And God himself is our hiding place. And he is surrounding you this morning with shouts of deliverance. God is raising his voice and he's speaking deliverance to his people. You know, we're, we're, in, a, we're in, a, in, in a tough time. We're in a, in a time where uh, the reality of our frailties and, and mortality kind of comes home and strikes us. But I want to encourage you to know this, that God is our place that we come to to hide in times of trouble. Not we don't, we don't put any faith in um, in kind of a hole in the ground, but we do put our faith in Jesus. Our place to hide ourselves is God. So right now we've been forced to retreat into our caves, but it's up to us whether we see this as a, a place to hide from trouble or a place to hide ourselves in God. And I want to encourage you to see this season as a time and a place where you can hide yourself in God. And I want to show you uh, three places in the scriptures where there was uh, three men, three different men at three different times, went into caves and they found that they weren't the place where you run away. They were the place where you run into God and the place that you encounter him. And the first one we're going to look at, and I know some of you are ahead of me. Some of you have guessed what these caves are or at least a couple of them. I think a couple of them are obvious. The third one I thought was a little more, um, uh, was a little more testing, at least for me. Um, but the first one we're going to go to, because we're going to kind of take these historically, chronologically, is David in the cave of Adullam. And uh, the narrative of this we read in 1 Samuel 22, but we're going to read from Psalm 57, which is the psalm that David wrote, or one of two psalms, along with Psalm 142, that David wrote while he was in the cave when he was fleeing from Saul. So Psalm 47 says this, Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples me. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. My soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down amid fiery beasts. The children of man whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They have set for my uh, they have set a net for my steps and my soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they've fallen into it themselves. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake, my glory. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. 
and I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations, for your steadfast love is great to the heavens and your faithfulness to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. So what kind of a cave was this for David? What kind of a, a hiding place in God did he found? And I believe that David found that, the, that God is our hiding place, that his cave was a place of praise. And it's really interesting when you just kind of, just as you read that, you, you see David goes through a, a couple of different places before he gets to praise. And the first one is um, that uh, he acknowledges um, he has these, this, this spiritual insight. He has a, a, a faith um, uh, perspective on things. And he goes, look, I know I'm in a cave because I'm running away from Saul, but actually, God, you are my hiding place. You are my refuge. And so he, he's acknowledging that. He's, he, knows that. He, he's, he knows that God is the place to go in times of trouble. And so uh, he, he has the right perspective on the, on the time that he's in. And the second thing he does in, in, in from the second half of verse 2 into verse 3, he keeps his eyes on the purposes of God. So although he's in a difficult situation, although he's in a tough time, he realizes that this is just a, a little interruption in the great purpose that God has for his life. And, uh, and, and so he, he turns his attention to the purposes of God. And I think that's something we can really learn from as well, that we're running to God. But you know what? This is, this is just a, a little blip. Uh, this is just a, a little um, diversion, if you like, or or even, you know, to be honest, for us, I think we can receive this as, as, as the grace of God, this time aside. But it's important to keep our eyes on the purpose of God, that the whole of life doesn't become about where am I going to get my next toilet roll from? Um, but actually, we, we see the bigger picture. You know, God, he says, what does he say to God? He says, you're the one who fulfills your purpose for me. You fulfill your purpose for me. And you know what? In all this, he is not unrealistic about the dangers. Verse four, my soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down, lie down amid fiery beasts, the children of man whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. You see, he's, he's, not, he's not in denial. He doesn't deny. He's realistic about the dangers. And he's taking, as we are now, he's taking sensible precautions from the, the physical dangers that, 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 is, he, that are encountering him. He's, he's He's socially isolating, isn't he? Um, but, you know, he gets through with all of that in the first four verses. He, you know, he, he makes sure he's got his, his spiritual um, insight into the situation. He makes sure he's got a, a, a stance of faith to say, look, I'm in a cave, but actually I'm running to God. He realizes that the, the great purposes of God are continuing and he still has a vital part to play in that. And he acknowledges the danger that he's in and he takes suitable and sensible precaution. And then he takes the rest of the, the psalm, seven more verses, to sing the praise to God. That's what the majority of his time and his energy was given to. And I think that's amazing. I think that's a great instruction for us as well. That actually, um, let's keep checking our hearts to make sure we've got a, a, a faith perspective. Let's, let's look at the bigger picture and realize that God is still in control and God's still working out his purpose for us. Let's not be unwise, but let's be uh, realistic and precautious about the danger that we're in. But let's give the bulk of our time and our energy to singing the praises of God. OK, so that was that was David. And the next one you may well 
have guessed and got there ahead of me as well. We're going to talk about Elijah in the cave on Mount Horeb. So if you kind of turn with your, uh, in your Bibles with me to uh, 1 Kings chapter 19, where we, we read this story. And of course, um, Elijah has, has just had this um, uh, time on Mount Carmel, this confrontation on Mount Carmel with the, with the, the prophets of, of Baal and, and Ashtoreth. And, and, and he's proved before the nation that God is the true God. Um, and, uh, you know, um, it seems like this great success. And then we know he goes and he prays and, uh, and, and he, and he prays until he sees this, this cloud, the size of a man's hand. And then he runs and then Jezebel makes this threat against him and he, and he runs and he runs away and, and, and then God sends an angel to meet with him and he's told, go to, go to Horeb and he gets to Horeb. Another name for Horeb is Sinai. He's going back to the place where God's people had their covenant encounter with God. And he's hiding in a cave. And that's where we're going to pick the story up in 1 Kings 19 verse 9. It says, He came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant thrown down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword and I even I only am left and they seek my life to take it away and he said go out and stand on the mount before the Lord and behold the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord but the Lord was not in the wind and after the wind an earthquake but the Lord was not in the earthquake and after the earthquake a fire but the Lord was not in the fire and after the fire, the low sound, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in a cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Haziel the king to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be the king of Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shebet of Abel Meholah, you shall anoint to be, priest, uh, to be prophet in your place. And the one who escapes the sword of Haziel shall Jehu put to death. And the one who escapes the sword of Jehu shall Elisha put to death. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. Elijah found that the cave was a place of encounter. He was running away, and I'm not sure how much he realized it, but he was running to God. And Elijah's cave was a cave of encounter. And I believe that our cave can be a, a cave of encounter. And God begins with asking him a question. And he says, Elijah, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? And I think that's a question that maybe we are all asking ourselves as well. What am I doing here? Um, why am I not where I normally am? What's going on? What are you doing here? But God wanted Elijah to know, Elijah, what are you, uh, you know, why are you here? Elijah thought it was, was all over, didn't he? 
we're asking ourselves, what are you doing here? And we're probably also asking the question, and if, if we're honest, some of us are asking the question, where's God? Where is God? What is going on? Is this a divine judgment? Well, the, one, the only thing I want, I want to really say on that is, we've just read that Elijah gets called by God to come and meet with God, and he goes out and he sees this wind that's so powerful it can break mountains. An earthquake that dislodges the cliffs and the rock face and a fire that comes and consumes. And the scripture tells us in all those things of destruction, God wasn't in them. God's not in the destruction. He's, he's not there shaking the, you know, breaking the mountains and burning things up. That's not where Elijah found God. Where is God in this situation? I believe for all of us, he is in the whisper. He's in the place of quiet intimacy. And God asks Elijah again, doesn't he? What are you doing here? And Elijah's answer is all the things that have gone wrong, all the things that are all the things that are troubling him. He says, I'm here because I'm all alone. I'm the only one. It looked on Carmel like we'd won, but actually now I think we've lost. And in that place of kind of desperation from the encounter that he has with God, Elijah receives a fresh commission, not just a word of consolation, but a fresh commission from God. He's to go and he's to anoint the next king, the new king of Israel, the new king of Judah, and a prophet in his place. Because not only is Elijah's mission not yet finished, it's never going to be over until there is someone who can pick up the mantle, literally with Elisha, where he picked up Elijah's coat, cloak. There's, there's never going to be an end to your ministry until you've passed on the mission that God has given you. Your task isn't yet complete, is what God is saying to him. You still have purpose. You're still my man. You're still my anointed one. And what's more, you certainly haven't lost. Oh, and by the way, Elijah, you're not alone. Um, I've got 7,000. I've still got 7,000 in the nation who haven't bowed the knee. And a 100 of them, if you're reading 1 Kings 18, uh, 4, we find that a 100 prophets were also hiding in caves and being uh, looked after by a man called Obadiah. You see, God's saying, look, it's not over. You haven't lost and you're not alone. And I believe God wants to meet with us and meet with you in a place of quiet intimacy, in the whisper. There may be, there may be winds, there may be earthquakes, there may be fires, there may be storms, but he's coming to meet with you in the quiet whisper of intimacy. He wants you to know you're not alone. And from this place of encounter, who knows how long we're going to be having to, to live like this. But you know what? I believe that for each and every one of us, there's going to be a fresh commission into a new season of life for the day that's coming. It's not over. We're not alone. God is with us. Now, our third story, our third man in a cave. You see, um, this one surprised me a little bit. The first two, uh, I, I was, I was uh, very quick to pick up on. When the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I want you to talk about three men in a cave, I said, well, Holy Spirit, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm David, I'm familiar with, Elijah, I'm familiar with. Who's the third one? Is this going to be a little bit obscure? And I don't know whether you've been trying to guess and get ahead of me and, and see where we're going with this one. Um, but if any of you did... Uh, arrive in the same place as me, you might have been as surprised as I was that the Holy Spirit took me to this place. So we're going to go to John 11, and we're going to read the story of the resurrection of Lazarus. 
so in John 11, we're going to pick it up at 32. Jesus has already arrived. He's stayed away for four days. Um, Lazarus has died. He comes back and he's confronted with Martha and Mary. And we're going to pick up where Mary speaks to him in John 11, 32. It says, now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet saying, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who'd come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. And so the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could he not, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind have also kept this man from dying? Then Jesus moved deeply again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, roll away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there'll be an odour, for he's been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said these things, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said, unbind him and let him go. Okay, did you spot that there in verse 38? He came to the tomb and it was a cave. So I must confess, I don't think I'd ever really uh, seen any significance or perhaps even noticed before that, uh, that, that um, Lazarus's tomb was a cave. Uh, but uh, thanks to the, the leading of the Holy Spirit, he took me to this scripture yesterday. I believe he wants to show us some things about that for us right now. So for Lazarus, so if for David, the cave was a place of praise. For Elijah, the cave was a place of encounter. For Lazarus, the cave was a place of new life. It was a place of resurrection. And, uh, you know, what can we learn from this story? Well, first of all, Jesus doesn't always do things the way we expect him to, or even the way we want him to. You know, that, 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 that's so obvious. And this, this is Jesus, probably Jesus's closest friend, certainly the people he appears to be closest to outside of the 12 disciples, uh, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And, uh, you know, they knew him well, but, but they did, he didn't do what they expected him to, and they, he certainly didn't do what they wanted him to. And you know what? We've just got to trust God in this. Um, we've got to trust God that, that he knows the best way of doing things. Uh, Isaiah tells us his ways are higher than ours. And, you know, we have the mind of Christ. We can begin to understand this, but still sometimes God takes us by surprise, doesn't he? Um, and you know what? That doesn't mean we don't have faith. That doesn't mean we've got it wrong. Um, because, for example, in verse 24, when Martha's talking to Jesus, she said, uh, Jesus says to her in 23, your brother will rise again. And Martha said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. You see, Martha had faith. Yeah, she was a woman of faith. I believe, she was saying, I believe that, that, that my brother will rise again because the, on, the, on, the, on the last day. In the day of resurrection, yes, he'll rise. I know that death isn't the end. I know, I know that this is somehow temporary, but I'd still rather you got here in time to stop him dying. See, she was a woman of faith. She was a woman of sound doctrine. She was a woman who could, who could express 
spiritual truths. She wasn't wrong in her expectation. It wasn't that she was in lacking faith or sinning. It's just that Jesus wasn't going to do it how she thought. And Mary, likewise, in verse 32, she says, look, if you'd have been here, I know you would have healed him. See, again, a woman of faith. Jesus, I know you can heal. I've seen you heal. I believe you can heal. That's why we called for you. Come and heal him. She was, she was in a place of faith. She was in a place of expectation. She wasn't sinning. She didn't get, she wasn't wrong in her motivation, but God just chose to work a different way. And however God works in the situation we're in right now, I can guarantee you this, that Jesus is going to use this time to prove who he is, just like he did when he prayed publicly before he raised Lazarus from the dead, and to bring glory to his Father, because that's what he's always working to do. And I want to guarantee you as well that we are all going to hear his voice, just like Lazarus did, saying, Lazarus, come out! So there's going to be a time... When we hear the voice of Jesus telling us to come out of our cave, it's not going to be the voice of the government advisors or Boris Johnson. They will be the ones that tell us when it's safe to leave our homes and go about our business normally. But I want each one of us to expect that we're going to hear the voice of Jesus, that he's going to say, hey, I'm calling you out. I'm calling you out in a new way. I'm calling you out to a life that is going to demonstrate and prove who Jesus is and bring glory to his father. And you know what? That's going to be true whether we're alive or dead. Because let's be honest, brothers and sisters, people are dying. People are dying because of a disease that we have no immunity to. And, and thousands and thousands of people around this world are working so hard to try and mitigate that, to try and find a cure, to try and find a vaccine, to try and find maybe a combination of, of drugs that can, that can help treat this. But sadly, people will die. But if we die in the Lord, if we die as believers in Jesus Christ, we know that death isn't the end. Because we know, just like Lazarus, Martha's, Martha's revelation, in the last day, yes, we'll all be raised. And we'll be raised to eternal life. So whether it's in this age or whether it's in the age to come, God is going to call us out into new life, into a new season, into a new world to prove and demonstrate who he is, to declare that Jesus Christ is Lord and to glorify the Father. Whether it's in months, a few months time, or whether it's in the day of the Lord when we're raised to immortality, we're going to hear the voice of Jesus say, come out, come out. I thank God that there's no fear in death for those that know the Lord. I had the honour a couple of weeks ago of conducting the funeral of one of my aunties, a godly lady who had died at a ripe old age, and one after another of her children and her grandchildren came and testified and gave tribute to her. And that time was one of the most hope-filled times I've been in for a long time because everyone was utterly convinced that we would see her again because she'd, been, she'd died and she'd gone to be with the Lord. But one day we're all going to hear the voice of Jesus saying, Lazarus, come out. And for those of us who remain in this world, it'll be a call to a new 
effectiveness and a new demonstration of the life of God, a new testimony to Jesus Christ. And to those who have gone to be with him, it will be the most beautiful and wonderful sound you've ever heard because it will be the call to be raised to a life that is indestructible. I want to thank you for watching and joining me this morning. We're going to be doing this every Sunday morning for the foreseeable future. And I just want to close with a blessing from the scriptures from Numbers 6. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Thanks for listening to this teaching from City Church Coventry. You can find more great teaching and other resources on our website at www.citychurchcoventry.org.